Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, people. I'm Tihana Berkutic and you are listening to Sorry, partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry, Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Croatian champion Tihana Berkatit about relaxation, defense mechanisms, and the elegance of simplicity, as well as hear her top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hi, partner. How are you doing, Catherine? I'm great, Jocelyn. How's your week been? Oh, Catherine, I've been better. I did a really ridiculous thing at the table last night in a team's (laughs) game. And let me tell you about it. So I had a 25-point hand, but it was a two-suitor. And I was playing against one opponent in particular who never passes. So I thought it's better to open the higher ranked suit and then I'll get to rebid and I'll keep bidding and it'll be and it'll be fine, except for everyone passed when I opened one. And I made all but one of the tricks. And so I took 12 tricks. So there I was in one spade making six. It was terrible. It was terrible. So Afterwards, I was talking to my extremely patient and forgiving partner. It's like, I just, you know, I didn't think he would pass, but also I feel like I don't want to open a two-suitor, two clubs. And what she said to me was, it is true that you might not want to open a two-suitor, two clubs. However, if you have a hand that you will vomit if partner passes, <laughs> yeah, 
then you should open it to clubs. And so this is, I present to you, the vomit rule. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. In general, you might not want to open a strong two-seater to clubs. However, if you will vomit, (laughs) if partner passes and opponents don't say anything, then you must not open such a hand, anything but two clubs. Or whatever you have in your system as a forcing bid that partner cannot pass. So that was really excruciating. I'm hoping that I never have to go through that again, that I've learned my lesson with the vomit rule. But it's so interesting because I think it perfectly illustrates that tension in bridge between applying a rule and understanding the situation and especially beginning and intermediate players are always coming up against this where we've incorporated so many rules into our play. And then once you reach a level of proficiency, you then have to override all the rules with your sense of understanding and context. And so I completely get it. I think I may well have done the same thing. You're so worried about opening the two clubs because you've had it drilled into you not to do it with the two suitor that you don't step back and overlay another thought, which is, how am I going to feel? <laughs> am I going to vomit? <laughs> right. But, but more, but more uh, yeah, it's a two-suitor, but actually this is a hand where I'm going to make all the tricks in my own hand, so it doesn't matter. So there's like that extra thought or process that you have to have. And I think because with bridge, there's so much learning involved. It's, it's very hard. So I'm just saying, don't be so hard on yourself because it's very hard <laughs> in the timing at the table to have that moment of clarity where you can step back and think, actually, hang on a minute, should I be thinking about this a different way? Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, it's like you learn a gadget and then you think you need to apply it. You need to use it anytime it possibly comes up, but you need to temper that urge and only use it when it's right to use it, not when given any opportunity to use it. Which is something that, you know, you think, okay, I need to do this. I need to overcall their one no Trump because I have the whatever, but it's not always the right thing to do in that moment. So yeah, the vomit rule. Maybe it's not about tempering when you use it. Maybe it's more understanding that for every decision you make, you need to then incorporate a moment of reflection about that decision because I think it's fine. You've got the rule. You think about it. It's what comes into your head. The challenge is to step into your power as an experienced bridge player and now think, okay, whenever I make a decision based on a rule, let me just take a moment to interrogate the application of that rule. Do I want to think twice about this before you have to vomit? I actually did. And and I will say it was partially based on who my opponent was that I just couldn't believe of all times for him to decide to pass. That was it. But that was it. Well, Jocelyn, I had been meaning to congratulate you about a hand that you played superbly this week. We, we were playing four spades. Everyone was in four spades and you made one trick more than everybody else and got a 100% for it. And I was watching you play it and you were playing it like an absolute queen. So (laughs) (laughs) before you get too down on yourself, let me just remind you that you've had some superb results and I was watching you play this hand and I thought, how is she going to, how is she going to do this? Next thing you've made plus one, I, I, I was just in awe. So take that, take that with you this week. You're very kind, Catherine. 
I don't recall that particular hand, but I'm sure it's something that the opponents did at our table. Yeah, no, no way. You played it beautifully and I'm not going to let you have that. No way in hell. Support for Sorry Partner comes from Bridge with Larry Cohen, home of the Bridge Made Simple webinars at www.larryco.com for loads of videos, practice hands, and our favorites, the quizzes. Thanks, Larry. So, Jocelyn, we've had some mail. Would you like me to read you a letter? Oh, that would be great. Okay. So the first one is from David. Hi, Catherine and Jocelyn. I have recently discovered your podcast and am enjoying it immensely. Thank you, David, very much. We really appreciate that. That's very (laughs) nice of you. (laughs) David says, here is my funny story. A few years ago, I was just beginning to play duplicate at a club game and I was the declarer in four spades. In my nervousness, I put my cards down on the table and my partner screamed, I'm the dummy, not you. (laughs) (laughs) I rushed to pick up my cards and told the opponents not to look. My left-hand opponent said that my problem was that he had a photographic memory. We called the director over. He'd never seen this situation before and suggested that we just play the hand. I ended up making it as it was cold. Well done, David. (laughs) (laughs) Photographic memory notwithstanding. Yeah, yeah. Didn't help him at all. Yeah. (laughs) I always love it when people at the table get a little cocky or demonstrate a little too much hubris, shall we say, photographic memory. It's so nice then when you take them down or it doesn't end up working in their favor. So that must have been very satisfying. Gosh, yeah. Nice. And we have another letter from Ryan, and I think you might enjoy it because it's not wholly unrelated to the idea of doing something silly. So this is from Ryan in Illinois, and the subject is director's ruling. Ryan says, this story involves my favorite ruling that I heard a director make. One of my partners is not great at stating his claim. He typically just throws his hand down on the table, revealing his cards and says, the rest are mine which we've all been there and we've all had the director called <laughs> saying, how are you going to play it? And we've all m- misjudged and found out that the rest are not mine. But anyway, <laughs> so one time an opponent didn't care for his claim and called the director. This opponent still had a trump in her hand and wanted to win it. The problem is there were only two tricks left. This opponent had a medium trump and they were on lead. Meanwhile, Declara, who would be the last to play to this penultimate trick, held the only other outstanding trumps, the high trump and the low trump. The opponent asked the director, well, what if he trumps high? Then my trump will be good. The director coldly replied, you can't force him to play stupid. (laughs) (laughs) If only you could. (laughs) I know, I know. Then we might have a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much to Ryan and David for those great letters. If you have any fun stories about lessons learned the hard way or hilarious director calls, please do send them to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram or you can leave us a voice message at www.speakpipe.com slash sorrypartnerpodcast. 
That link is also in the show notes, along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Tihana Berkatit. Croatian champion Tihana Berkatit is a bridge champion, as well as an academic expert on the psychology and science of bridge. When she's not representing Croatia at the European and World Championships, she's training bridge coaches and teaching psychology at Zagreb University. We began by asking her about her earliest memory of the game. The first things I remember is going to tournaments with my parents. It was super exciting because it was going abroad and meeting interesting people and going to trips and uh, everything. So my earliest memory is definitely about that, not about me playing bridge. And when it comes to playing, first time I played was when I was working as a waitress in the bridge club and somebody did not arrive on time. So they were looking for anyone to substitute. And since I was a daughter of a bridge player, somehow they thought that I would be better than others. Uh, I was not. They just told me pass all the time and <laughs> uh, don't do anything. We will take care of everything. Just sit here. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's my first bridge memory. I, don't, I have no idea how did I uh, do in that match. Nobody told me. They just sent me home. And so at what point did you develop skills and realize that you were quite good at bridge? Well, I took bridge course when I was in my early 20s, which is quite late for being a kid in a bridge family. But my parents did not allow me to, to do anything with the bridge before I finished my studies. But actually, with time, they allowed me so few years before I finished studies, they allowed me to go to the course. And well, then I, I don't know, I was maybe playing for uh, three or four years, just recreational bridge, nothing serious. And then they were missing uh, a player for Croatia junior team. And I was 24 and I could still play as a junior. So they asked me, will you do it? And I said, yeah, I could. And then I, I was already working. I quit my job. I was playing bridge five or six times per week, uh, every evening, talked only about bridge. I was also uh, reading a lot of books and uh, everything. So for a year or something, I did basically nothing but tried to learn some bridge. Were there any books that were particularly impactful that year? Well, I was, uh, I was reading like books for, let's say, intermediate players, uh, a lot on declarer play. There were some books like the Hammond book at the table and from real educational books. So I learned some techniques and I was never a bidding type. So I never uh, really read or thought about uh, bidding. I know like three conventions. And that's what I think it's enough for a British player. <laughs> Do you have a favorite tournament that you like to play? My favorite tournament is Petsch. It's a small town in Hungary, maybe 300 kilometers from Zagreb, where I live. And uh, I, I'm going there for at least 20 years. 
the tournament is in the first week of a year. So sometimes we go there on New Year's Eve and then we celebrate New Year there. And after that, we play a tournament. It's a small tournament, maybe 15 teams. But there are good Hungarian players and there are some of us from Croatia. And it's a really nice venue and the whole town, it's a student town. So there is a lot of life on the street and everybody stays awake for the whole night. And it's very lively and uh, I really like it. It sounds lovely. What do you think your regular partner or one of your regular partners might say is your greatest strength as a bridge player? Okay. I have two regular partners. I have one male and one female because sometimes I play in a women competition and sometimes I play mixed. So I think that my male partner would say that my biggest strength is that if it's serious, I can play well. And my female partner would say that my biggest strength is my attitude. Generally that I can be funny that we can have a nice time together and things like that. Uh, my male partner is focused on the result and my female partner is focused on my well-being. Can you explain a bit more about what did you say that your male partner would say your, your strength was? That when it's serious? He would say that I really change my play from club tournament to some championship. So I would say that my partner thinks that I play much better when the tournament is important. When there is event that counts, that my bridge gets better. And do you think that's true? Does it get better? Yes. Or you can put it the other way around. When the event is not important, I just don't take too much attention on anything. I'm more likely to have fun or uh, just to enjoy the tournament and play more on feelings than using my brain. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Do you feel that you put that much more effort and concentration when you're playing at an important tournament, but it's it takes so much out of you that you need to conserve perhaps other times? I understand. I'm I'm not sure because it it does not happen on purpose. It's not like I'm telling myself now, Tihana, you should concentrate because it's important. It just happens that when I think that something is important, then I transform into somebody else who plays better than me. You have a background in in academic psychology. How would you explain that, stepping back and putting on your professor's hat? Oh, it's uh, it's really difficult to analyze uh, yourself. But yes, I think that I'm uh, somehow saving myself when I'm not playing, when I do not consider an event uh, important. But definitely it's not on purpose. I think that's fascinating. I mean, it, if you're going to play well, you might as well play well when it counts. I feel that there could be times when I get nervous if it's an important event. And that gets in the way sometimes of me playing my best. Of course. And sometimes it happens to me too. It's not that I'm saved somehow from that. But most of the time, if the tournament is important, I will play better. Of course, I also have stress episodes and tilt and everything. But somehow on average and in general, the bridge is better when the tournament is stronger, let's say. We have had a letter recently from one of our listeners, Mike from Michigan, who has raised the question about visualizing hands and how difficult it is for some of us to visualize the hands. And I wonder, first of all, how you visualize the hand. And then if you have any tips for a player such as myself, how to go about that, particularly at the table. Okay, uh, so visualization in general is really a controversial topic. So uh, first is whether you are able to visualize at all, because some people are not. It's now known that uh, there are people, maybe 5 to 10%, we are not sure, that just don't have these possibilities. Like anything else, it's, it's, it's not a big deal, but if you don't have it, you can't do it in bridge. So to test if you are able to visualize, close your eyes and try to uh, make a mental picture of something. It should be a real picture, like think of something, but you have to be able to see that, for example, beach or a tree or a flower or something like that. Also, as in Western society, we, we do not visualize a lot. They do not teach us to visualize in schools or parents or whoever. So we somehow neglect that. So maybe we are able to visualize, but still we don't know how to do it. And if that is the case, then uh, we should train ourselves. And to do that, well, there are instructions on the internet you can easily find. Uh, usually it's best to relax, 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 and then to think about something and try to create this uh, mental picture. First, it will be maybe very simple, and then you will be able to add more and more details and to play with it. And uh, 
it should take maybe a month every day, few minutes of training. And well, you should be able to visualize at least basic things. For me personally, I have no idea why, but when I'm playing a hand, I can see opponent's cards or partner card, not in the shape of real cards, but in the shape of bridge diagrams. And when I do that purposely, for example, to make a squeeze position or something like that, then I try to, let's say, visualize the ending, which everybody would say that's uh, the best way to, to do so just to uh, see the last few cards, maybe three, four, whatever, and then to try to get to that position. So you feel that this is a skill that can be developed with practice? This can be developed if you have it in you. And some people, unfortunately, don't have it. But I'm not sure that this kind of visualization is really needed for bridge. But patterns, I want to develop more of a visualization of hand patterns so that I can place the important cards. And I find that very difficult. And I'm practicing counting out my various breakdowns of 13, you know, four, triple three, and five, three, three, two. And I just try to run those through my head. But applying that at the table to place the patterns is a real challenge for me. So do you count automatically or do you have to think now let's count? I have to think let's count. You should count a lot, a lot, a lot. So it comes naturally. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's how it is. Okay. So Mike, if you're listening, you need to make yourself count and practice visualization. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you when you were playing bridge? There are many funny things, but I will tell you one. I really think it was funny. So we played some tournament in Croatia. Nothing uh, big, but decent tournament, maybe 30, 40 pairs. And in that tournament, for the first time, there was a pair that, that they learned bridge themselves. So they were not going to a bridge course, nothing. They were older people. At that point, I was really very young, so I considered them quite old. And uh, I came to the table and they beat to three no traps. And my partner left something and the dummy was holding his cards. And we said, okay, here is the lead. Please put the dummy down. And they said, no. And we said, said, please put your cards down. And they said, what? Like, I'm not showing you my cards. (laughs) And we had to call the rector because they were not, they were not putting it down. They said, just what kind of game is that? We, 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 We learned everything. And why would I put the cards down? It's not a card game if I'm putting my cards down. So everyone will see it. Hey. (laughs) <laughs> That's hilarious. I first I thought that they were just joking. <laughs> and then they, they, they were offended. Like, why? <laughs> so we are beginners and you want to see our cards, huh? You know, <laughs> well, it's a rule. A rule. <laughs> <laughs> 
it'd be great if you didn't have to put down your dumb age. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's actually good for your partner, though, sir. Your partner has to play your cards and <laughs> they don't know which one to pick if they can't see them. <laughs> That's hilarious. What's the funniest or strangest place that you've played bridge? The the funniest but most strange place I played bridge was a really small boat because the people on the ship didn't let us play on the ship. <laughs> so they were they were organizing some tournaments and we were making problems. And then we had to play on the lifeboat. That's hilarious. How long were you on the lifeboat? Uh, maybe one hour or something. I'm very glad that it wasn't because the ship was going down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. What's something that people might be surprised to learn about you? I got married at the bridge tournament 20 years ago. Oh. <laughs> And you were dressed for the wedding? Of course. I was dressed in the white dress as as a princess. <laughs> and so after the ceremony, did you continue to play? Yes, I was married between <laughs> sessions. So I, we started one session, then in between the two sessions of mixed pairs in Pula Bridge Tournament that I organized, by the way. <laughs> We were married between the sessions and continued to play afterward. <laughs> and how did you do? We made 55%. <laughs> there is an article in New York Times about it. They found it particularly funny. We will find that. We will find that. Yeah. You should. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. You mentioned earlier that you were not as into bidding, perhaps, as you are into the play and don't care for a complicated convention system. Are there any conventions, though, that, that you do like? Do you have a favorite? Yes, I really like Two Diamonds Week in Diamonds. That's my <laughs> favorite convention. <laughs> no Maltese. No, nothing. <laughs> I actually have a system that is developed for myself by my partner, who really likes uh, sophisticated systems, but he developed two-page system that covers everything. I know page and a half, and I'm working hard on that half that's uh, still unlearned. And yeah, Two Diamonds is my favorite convention. <laughs> because it's not something complicated. Yeah, it's really not complicated. I know it very well and uh, I use it very often. But you're not talking about a week two. Is that what you mean? Yes. Well, yes, it's week and it's two because it's two diamonds. I like that conventions have a part of meaning in them. Like two diamonds, it's diamonds and it's two. <laughs> <laughs> What about conventions that you particularly don't like? Well, we play all normal conventions like Splinters and Smallland and the Blackwood and the various Qubits. But I don't play, for example, Flannery, and I'm not sure what it is. It's two diamonds. <laughs> you see, it's misuse of two diamonds. 
So no, I don't, I'm not into, into bidding. It could be some defense mechanism because a long time ago, I was forced to learn really complicated blue team systems. I played for years, uh, strong club and things like that. I don't actually dislike the idea that one club is a strong opening bid. I don't have a problem with that. But uh, rally systems and things like that are just not my cup of tea. Do you find that that puts you at any kind of disadvantage when your opponents have a very sophisticated, complicated bidding system? The more sophisticated their system are, I'm more happy to play against Please explain. I just think they will uh, use too much effort and time and energy on their bidding and they will not concentrate. I, I, I feel a little bit sorry for them. <laughs> <laughs> when the people come down and they put down their pre-alert, yeah. you say, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try. I try to be polite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given? The best bridge tip I was given is to try to put myself into opponent's shoes or mind. So to try to think why he bid in a certain way or played a, a particular card. Things like that. And also for the partner. Why he led this and not that. If he had what I think he could have, then maybe he would be that differently. So it's just to try to empathize with the others at the table, both partner and the opponent. I think it's a, it's a worth gold, the advice. Tihani, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much. It's been terrific. Thank you both. It was a really pleasurable experience. I was a little afraid at first, but you made it really nice. And that's the show. Many thanks to Tihana Berkacic. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at Sorry Partner Podcast on Instagram, or send us a voice message at www.speakpipe.com slash sorrypartnerpodcast, and please consider supporting the show. These links are in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice, or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Tihana says, empathize with others at the table. Put yourself into your opponent's shoes. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.